Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, breaking down the world of tennis with your hosts, Val Fabo and Joel Frucci. What a crazy day. The visa resolution, is it resolved? We don't know. It's uh, it's an absolutely bizarre day, but at 5.52 p.m. Melbourne and Australian Eastern Daylight Time, it was announced Alex Hawke, the immigration minister, has re-cancelled Novak Djokovic's visa. So deportation looms, but there is another court case impending. This weekend is going to be filled with the courtroom news in, a ten- in tennis circles again. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Ferbo. Normally joining me to talk about something like this would be Joel Frucci, but he can't make it tonight because we're on very late notice and very short notice. But a man who does join me, well, we've got him twice in a week. How lucky are we? Jed Zetzer from the first serve uh, joins me to discuss a massive day in not just 2022, but in tennis history, I would assume. Jed, how are you? Well, thanks so much for having me, mate. It's an absolute pleasure. Twice in a week. I'm very lucky. I'm very glad. And uh, mate, I just hope we can dissect this. It's an emergency podcast after all. So it's not a normal one. There will be a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of trying to explain the whole situation as best as we know it now. Exactly right. And well, well I guess the best place to start would be the statement from uh, Alex Hawke, uh, the Immigration Minister of Australia. So today I exercised my power under Section 133C, bracket three of the Migration Act to cancel the visa held by Mr. Novak Djokovic on health and good order grounds on the basis that it was in the public interest to do so. This decision followed orders by the Federal Circuit and Family Court on the 10th of January 2022, quashing a prior cancellation decision on procedural fairness grounds. In making this decision, I carefully considered information provided to me by the Department of Home Affairs and the Australian Border Force and Mr Djokovic. The Morrison government is finally, uh, is sorry, firmly committed to protecting the Austra- Australia's borders, particularly in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic. I thank the officers of the Department of Home Affairs and the Australian Border Force who work every day to serve Australia's interest in increasingly uh, challenging and operational envi- challenging operational environments. So there you go. That's the statement by uh, by Alex Hawke. Um, mm. He becomes the well. If if this if this does go through, he becomes just the second Australian after Leighton Hewitt at the U.S. Open in two thousand and six to knock Novak Djokovic out of a Grand Slam. But it's uh, it's completely different circumstances now, Jed. Yeah, it's it's absolute madness, mate. It is absolute madness. I just want to apologise if you hear some tennis being played in the background. I've just got Matty Ebden in his final round of qualifying just beside me. So I just want to apologise if you hear that going on in the background. But, um, mate, it is an absolute – it's a circus. I mean, we, we said it during the week about the whole situation that it's a mess and it just gets messier. And this was almost inevitable and we knew it was coming, but it doesn't make it any easier to deal with. Um, it's just, mate, it's just absolute madness. It's, it's really annoying. I think that it's happened, you know, 48 hours before or 72 hours before the slam actually begins, the main draw action kicks off. So this whole story is just completely overshadowed the fact that we've actually got a grand slam starting on Monday morning. And it's just, in my opinion, it's really annoying because it takes all the action, the attention away from the tennis. Yeah, you're right, 100%. And and this has been the whole frustrating thing um that that even even being in Djokovic's position now where they're going to appeal again. Um it's more frustrating that they're going to drag it on even longer. The government has cancelled the visa twice or the Australian Border Force once government for the second time. And now mm. now he's going to 
um, prolong this process again with another court case. And his lawyers want this ended by Sunday so that they can get the resolution by the end of the weekend. But you know, and he doesn't have to remain in detention throughout this time. But I think the the most annoying thing about this entire situation is how long it has dragged on, and it's and how it has detracted so much from what has been a brilliant summer of tennis. And Jed, we've seen Gal Monfils with his first title in in Australia. We've seen Ash Barty win in Adelaide. We've seen Tanasi Kokonakis have a rebirth of some sorts, but you you wouldn't. And we've had Andy Murray make his first final in uh, in. A long, long time. Three years, yeah. Antwerp in 2019. It's been two and a half years since Andy Murray has made an ATP final. And this is the constant murmuring around Melbourne Park. This is all that we're talking about. And it is going to drag on, which is really disappointing. But um, the, is it the right decision, Jed? Is, and I think we discussed this the other night. I'm firmly in agreement that this is the correct decision that has been made. But in terms of timing, I think it's dragged on a little bit too long. But um, what are your thoughts, mate? It's I don't I, I don't want to comment on if it's the right decision or not from my personal point of view, just because I don't know the whole legal side behind it. I'm not I'm not a lawyer. I don't have that knowledge. So it would from your be, from the from the evidence that you've seen, what what uh, conclusion would you have made from it? My honest opinion is it's the right call. I think he, I think he needs to be deported because he's clearly done the wrong thing. They've come out and said the medical exemption isn't valid. They've come out and said, you know, he filled in his declaration papers incorrectly, which he said, oh, it's a human error. Human error or not, it happened. You know, mate, you, you filled in your papers incorrectly. If that was an average Joe on the street, they could be jailed. So, like, I get... I get that, you know, these are all very minor things, but they're very minor things that would be treated very seriously if it were anyone else. So it makes sense that it's being very that it's being treated very seriously in this case. It's just a shame that this is, you know, on a world scale and everyone around the world has to witness this because it's 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 a shambles. Um, these are the types of things that do happen in the world, but that they don't, you know, they're not on the news and because, you know, it's it's, it's not nice to witness this whole this whole situation is not nice to watch unfold. Um, and that is why I sort of didn't want this to happen. But if you're asking me if I think it needed to happen, I think it did. It's just a shame, really. Yeah, I think so. And um, and uh, Stuart Fraser, um, tennis journalist, tweeted uh, in the aftermath of the announcement, um, immediately unclear how Novak Djokovic's legal team will respond to this, in danger of now being banned for three years from entering Australia unless his future entry is deemed to meet compelling circumstances that affects the interests of Australia. So that's another question now. If Novak is deported, will he be able to come back before the 2026 Australian Open? Because he's going to miss 2022. And then another in another three years, um, he misses 22, 23, 24, and 25, I'd assume. Um, who knows? Or maybe the 2025 Australian Open, he's back. But um, three years is a awfully long time for the world number one and equal, um, equal most Grand Slam titles won um, to, to miss. Nine time champion here. Exactly. He's his most successful slam. He could miss three because he was deported, which is genuine. Like this, this is something that even script writers couldn't fall, couldn't, couldn't come up with. It is, it is. I am tending, I'm leaning to, and look, if you ask me if there any of this 
would have been possible from the start, I would have said, no, you're kidding yourself. You know, none of this is actually going to happen. The fact that it's happened has blown my mind, to be honest. You don't, these are the types of things that you just don't expect to come to fruition because you expect the people, you know, Djokovic, someone who's got immense power in the world and the government, you know, you expect people of power to avoid this type of conflict. And, you know, in this situation, it's been unavoidable because both parties have been stubborn, you know, regardless of what's happened, it's, it's unavoidable. So essentially, you know, you in my head, I go, no, nah, there's no ways he's not going to play here for the next three years. Like there's just no ways. But at the same time, when I look at what's actually happened in the last week, I think, well, you know what, maybe it actually is possible. Maybe he won't play here for the next three years, which is, bizarre. it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that he might miss the next three Oz opens. It's crazy. But this is something when this is a this is a notion that you would dream up when you've had about ten vodkas and you're <laughs> and you're at the pub and you are you and your friends are absolutely off your face drunk and this is the type of conversation that you'd have you'd go oh imagine you know imagine Novak Djokovic got deported and couldn't play for three years and it's actually happened we're not drunk this is happening this is we are actually in the real world we're in the present this is going on but. Does Novak coming back, is it, um, is it a compelling circumstance that affects the interest of Australia? Is that something that, you know, mm. yes, it is a big ten- tennis tournament, but Daniel Andrews, the Victorian Premier, and a lot of, and Craig Tiley have all said that not one player is bigger than the tournament. So if he is deported, I'm leaning towards the fact that, or the, I'm leaning towards the idea that he's not coming back for the next three events. What I've heard uh, is that the government are trying to strike some sort of deal with Djokovic that would essentially just see him concede this open, leave, but would be allowed to come back next year. And I think the government is sort of saying, well, you know what, mate, like you're not going to win. We are being extremely strict, but that's at the end of the day, that's what we're being. And you can either try and fight us and probably lose and miss the next three Oz Opens, or you can take our deal, just miss this one, but come back next year and hope that people have, <laughs> have forgotten, which they won't, but they hope won't. that people are sort of a bit more forgiving of you next time. Um, we're not going to be. We're a fickle bunch here in Australia. But, um, yeah, it's – look, I, I, think you, I think that's what I've assumed the government will do this entire time. But the problem is if the lawyers try and drag this out – and especially now we're about to see the Serbian reaction. We're talking at 8 o'clock um, p.m. on Friday night Australian time. The Serbian reaction mm. is going to be diabolical. Sertian Djokovic is going to come out and he's going to be all guns blazing. Same with Diana. It, it, it's going to be pretty brutal, What their, their, their assessment of this entire saga. So um, it, it depends what they say. It depends what the Serbian government says. It depends what Novak himself says. So the Australian government are really in a sense of power if they do get this over the line, that they can say, well, you've made this really difficult. Um, you, you know, we're going to ban you for three years. So Djokovic and family and lawyers need to be very careful about how they go about this because it's a really delicate and precarious situation that they find themselves in. It is. And I think that, I think it's just worth noting as well that a lot of what has happened has been avoidable. I think Djokovic shot himself in the foot enormously with the comments that he, or the statement that he made on his Instagram this week. Um, That statement was just, 
to be honest, sorry, I've got the crowd in the back. Matty Ebsen's about to serve for the match, um, which is bloody awesome, by the way. Um, that that statement that Djokovic made midweek, that is bonkers. Yep. That is, I don't think people understand because the initial, the initial statement in court said that he found out on the 16th of December at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. that he was COVID positive. The statement that he released midweek said he found out on the 18th. Now, both statements would have been written by his lawyers, but they've gone ahead and they've literally, in public statements, they've gone with two different dates. Yep. So there, there's enough proof that he has done something wrong. I don't yep. know what it is, but something. Yep. So for me, it's just, mate, it's just absolute madness. Um, yep. And, and this has been completely avoidable. I think if Djokovic, when he initially announced he was coming, if he didn't use those two words, exemption permission, none of this would have happened. No. That is what opened the can of worms. And yes. now he keeps shooting himself in the foot. Yeah. And, the, and this is what Djokovic has continued to do throughout the entirety of the pandemic, shot himself in the foot with the comments that he's made. And I guess... The, his fans haven't helped either. The fact that they are commenting such vitriol on um, on the Australian Open social media posts and, and anyone that kind mm. of ridicules Djokovic, I think that's also painted him in a negative light and especially the protests that happened and he hasn't told them to stop. And I think it's what happened with the Laura Clark situation at the US Open in 2020. Djokovic had to tell his fans but left it for a day and said, seriously, stop commenting and sending her death threats because it's too far. And the situation Absolutely. is very similar. There's been right. There's almost been riots. There's almost been protests, and uh, we haven't heard the end of it. We know, but um, yeah, this is going to be a very, very interesting weekend um, for for all tennis. And it's a shame because we've got some great actual on court narratives to come with Andy Murray and Thanasi Kokanakis still coming up. So um, yeah, mm. fingers crossed that. We can get a resolution. Uh, look, in my opinion, it's the right call, but just come too late. There's no winners in this. Tennis Australia, certainly not a winner. Novak Djokovic, not a winner. The Victorian government, not a winner. And the Australian government, not a winner. So there's four losers. Um, let's hope tennis is the winner come the end of January. Jed, I'm going to let you go and cover Matt Ebden's uh, hopeful hopeful triumph over Nor- Norbert Gombos. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week at the Australian Open. But uh, Jed Zetzer, absolutely a ripping, ripping tennis uh, guru. He knows all the Australians and he knows what's going on at Melbourne Park. He's on the ground there and uh, very, very, very thankful that he can join us. Jed, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Val. Anytime, mate. It's an absolute pleasure, as I said last time, to come on this show, being one that I listen to every week. So really appreciate it once again. And uh, fingers crossed Matt Ebden can close this out. Fingers crossed. Uh, This has been Val Febo and Jed Zetzer on a special emergency Breakpoint podcast tonight. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram Breakpoint Podcast, Facebook Breakpoint Podcast as well, and subscribe on Google, Spotify, uh, Apple, and, uh, and yeah, wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Val Febo and Jed Zetzer signing off.